0: Welcome to Moving On. Here you will get expert information, tips, and most importantly, the tools to moving on to a healthy, happy, and thriving life that you want to be living. Letting go of whatever is holding you back, whether you are in an unhealthy relationship or learning how to be in a healthy one, or maybe you are in a job that you've been dying to move on from learn to let go of what's holding you back and become the thriving healthy and happy person that is inside you welcome to moving on
1: hey guys welcome back to another episode of moving on yay right well i've got with me today another expert who has gone through it all and has ended up here with me today to share with you what's gone on in his life as far as overcoming struggles, overcoming you know, whatever obstacles have been in his way to get him to where he is today. I'd like to introduce you to Mike Zeller.
2: Tracy, so excited to be here and honored to be on your show. And I can't wait to dive into some nitty gritty, emotional challenges and, uh, and how the, the setbacks have led to the setups. So I can't love wait. that.
1: Awesome. Okay, well, you guys, let me tell you a little bit about Mike. Mike helps high achievers align their purpose with both the business they want to build and the life, excuse me, the life they want to live, while getting unstuck and shaking off limiting beliefs. His businesses have done hundreds of millions in sales, but he's also lost over a million in bad business breaks, poor decisions, and investments that just didn't turn out as expected. In one year, three of his businesses lost more than hundred thousand dollars. E. <laughs> Uh, that's a lot right right each wow mike zeller has since founded or partnered in 16 plus ventures in five different industries he's an author of twice born how a crisis can remake you and his forthcoming book the genius within finding your business and personal zone of genius for maximum success so wow that is quite the resume and three businesses bleeding out a hundred thousand each in a year that's a lot to uh to get through
2: it was and that was also the year that uh, i got married so um <laughs> like as a high achiever type three on the enneagram business seemed to be falling apart on one side entering this new chapter and uh oh what am i going to do how am i going to provide for my wife and uh and minimize the chaos and and uh, I, it was an insane season but glad to be on the other side
1: I believe that so let's go back in time a little farther obviously to before you had businesses and i always like to know what inspires entrepreneurs you know we have, some of us have you know demons that drive us others of us you know we think it's just a passion um a lot of us have creative personalities um you know so so what was your beginnings you know where did you start out as far as that part of your life
0: yeah
2: I think, I think it happened in college. I was waiting tables at a really nice restaurant. I was like, you know what? I'm going to own a restaurant someday. I think that sounds like a good idea. Um, and that's the world I knew. I haven't owned a restaurant yet, but I have a couple of restaurant concepts mapped out. Um, but, uh, you know, that was the, I was ambitious and driven and wanted to make something in my life. And my dad taught us, you know, to work hard, things like that, good old Protestant work ethic. Um, and, uh, but, I really didn't begin until I was twenty-five, twenty-six when I started my real estate business, um, and I was a realtor, investor in real estate, and found you know most America, uh, most millionaires made their millions in real estate, um, and so that's what I initially dove into. Loved it, built you know uh, over a million dollars net worth just from real estate back in the day, and um, uh, but I knew I was uh, three years into real estate. like if this is all i do my soul is going to die like i literally i was like my life is set if i just keep on this pathway i'm going to be bored out of my mind and this is not what i'm made for so sort of subconsciously probably started tearing it down
1: (laughs) yeah subconscious always kind of comes in with the limiting beliefs doesn't it like oh, i didn't know that was lurking there so um and so when you were in college what was it you were studying to do because obviously you had that moment in time with the restaurant idea but what was it your career path, you know, that you had already set forth was?
2: It was a it was a winding career path. I initially studied philosophy, then went into business administration as my major, and German and Psych as additional, uh, essentially minors. And then, um, but I knew I wanted to get into business. But then, uh, partway through college, I became a Christian and started into ministry. So I went into grad school, got my master's in Christian leadership and started uh, churches targeted towards artists and creatives in Nashville, um, inspired by a church in LA called Mosaic. So I was like, you know, woven in, woven in, I was a do-gooder that eventually uh, wanted to get back into business. I remember the semester I graduated from seminary, um, I got turned down for a church job. And I was like, ah, I remember crying. I was literally in tears talking with one of my mentors and I just had this whisper in my soul that, you know what, if you're, in, if you're in ministry, you wouldn't be able to take some of the risk I want you to take, almost like that divine whisper. And, um, and then I was like, I want you in the marketplace. I need to be, and that's kind of what catapulted me into real estate eventually, and then into other ventures along the way
1: wow that's interesting you know for most people i don't know if they have that insight in their 20s or that ability to you know dig deeper in their mm-hmm. 20s um there are people that do but anyways um so tell me a little bit more about your early life and also you know a bit about your personal life as well
2: yeah uh my dad immigrated from germany at age uh, 22 didn't speak word of english it was post world war uh too. so he he literally was born i think 1940 um he saw uh, he was telling me a story one day a couple of weeks ago and he told me a story of how when he was four or five years old you know the germans had to have hitler a picture of hitler hanging up in their house otherwise they could be thrown in prison or worse and his parents did not like hitler um, and his dad was fortunately slightly old enough that he didn't uh, qualify for the war, at least at the beginning. So they had a picture of Hitler to, uh, you know, meet the rules hanging in the storeroom in the back behind a door. So you going not see it unless, Sorry. but if the Gestapo or whatever came in, they would show them the picture. And then after the war, after the war ended, so I'm telling some of these stories to around. Uh, some of the Im- imprints that were l- laid on my dad that were then translated to me. So um, he also had the allies, allied forces like officers and stuff. in when they occupied Germany after the war, they would sometimes, you know, pop in a German residence house and say, hey, you need to feed us. So they would actually have to make dinner. And he told some stories of like, hey, the you know, he's four or five years old um the Germans or the American forces are coming in having dinner his parents have to make dinner supply them with anything he, he remembers one time a, a big tank pulled up to their to their they had a store at the bottom level and their residence was on the second and third level pulls up the soldiers climb out of the tank onto the second floor balcony come in and have dinner <laughs> and and also in that time in Germany like they had um they they only had meat once a week, they would have potatoes and vegetables and bread the rest of the time because it was a shortage. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, my dad moves to Germany, I mean, America at age 22. Um, Actually, one more story. He also remembers seeing the Jews come out of a concentration camp during that time and just walking down the streets and the gas, uh, almost ghostly figure emaciated and and thin and just barely alive and that you know that stuck with him as a five-year-old um, uh, but he moves to america um, you know america's in a boom period and uh, it becomes a, a, he grows so much but he starts out blue collar because he only had an eighth grade education at the time and, um, and well that's all he's ever had and then eventually becomes his own business owner races and trains harness horses becomes a world champion uh, horse race uh, champion in the world and then um, um, you know just taught us the uh, but he was also one of those entrepreneurs that never had more than two employees at a time and then my mom grew up in a farm in Kentucky and uh, basically was a farm girl so
1: <laughs> wow that's pretty exciting yeah my dad uh, actually was in a concentration camp in Germany so wow. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting how that is. I mean, he was only uh, three at the time. So, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um, It is crazy the things that happen um, in this world that are like, wow, that really happened in our lifetime. Well, lifetime of my dad and lifetime of your dad. Um, So, all of that shapes you, of course. And, you know, and it makes, I, I mean, to me, It's, you know, our childhood, it's like we're little sponges. We're picking up on things. We come forward, you know, as adults. And sometimes we don't even know why we're motivated to do the things we are. So, you know, I I appreciate, you know, how you're saying your dad was always like hard work is a good thing. So what about when it came to your relationships? How did that play into your relationships? You know, your whole way of being driven, your whole purpose in life?
2: Yeah. I'd say th- three things. Relationship with God. I remember in my 20s, I was like, you know what? I, my purpose is to help people find their God-given purpose is what I remember is an early download. Mm-hmm. Um, and then secondly, relationships romantically, frankly, I was pretty socially awkward. <laughs> up until uh up until uh really about 21 22 i was i had to read all these relational intelligence books and (laughs) because (laughs) i I had girls that liked me because i looked good but they they didn't stick around too long because i was just clumsy and didn't have i'm an intp on the myers-briggs so i don't naturally have empathy uh or a lot of empathy and um uh, so I had to learn, it, it really forced me because I was I was serious and focused and discipline, all the things that you don't necessarily, I mean, they make you successful later on, but in high school, it's like, who's funny? Who's entertaining? Who's great to be around? And uh, I studied, it, it really became a gift of, I studied human psychology, behavior, relational intelligence, mm-hmm. and now I'm one of the best in the world, uh, or a high, uh, I'd say, in a, you know, top 1% of relational and social intelligence and because I had to apply myself to it. Um, mm-hmm. And now that affects my marriage where my wife, I know all of her personality types. I know all of her proclivities. She knows all of mine. We actually did a Zone of Genius date, um, where we had her do like three or four personality tests uh, about three months into our relationship. And we just, I, I was like, hey, instead of getting eventually getting really frustrated at each other because of our differences, what if we could trade that frustration for appreciation and know each other's tendencies and forgetfulness and all that, because we're very different. So that was a beautiful moment. Also, she thought it was really weird while we were dating <laughs> that I did that, but she liked me enough to do it and uh um uh, but it's relational intelligence is a massive thing for me and um uh and i think it's one of the massive gateways to um getting what you want in life is helping enough people get what they want and being a master student of relationships and and just supporting people if you're a giver your trust factor is way up if you're a taker people eventually can smell that uh, a mile away that you, this person is a taker, stay away.
1: Yeah, I think that there's also another aspect to giving. And what I mean by that is there's two places you give from. You either give from generous generosity of heart, or you give because you're trying to get. And yeah. I think for some people, it's a sense of control. Also, I think, um, you know, because it's like giving is good when it's from that one place. It's not that it's bad from the other place, but it's something to be aware of, I believe, because a lot of people don't realize that they have strings attached when they're giving because, again, it's a control thing, and that's something, again, you learn that you're more than likely not even aware that you're doing.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I think having awareness around it and just, just giving because it's the right thing to do and you feel good without attachment and expectation but also knowing like hey if i build a life where i've given enough people it comes back may not come back from that person
0: mm-hmm.
2: but it, it it is just a boomerang effect and people want to contribute to you as well so i'm 100 you shouldn't horse trade
1: No, but a lot of people do and a lot again, you know, and a lot of this is learning your family environment as a kid, and also as a way of getting love, especially when you fear abandonment or you fear, you're not good enough, and you think okay I've got to give to get. and I don't know how to receive or I don't want to receive because then I might owe somebody, um, you know, and I mentioned that because a lot of people listening, this is been the experience they have, you know, of like being a people pleaser, rather than just giving without even needing a thank you, because yeah. that's true giving
2: to me. Yeah. yeah. Can agree more, Tracy.
1: Well, great. Well. So the uh, lost over a million in bad business breaks, poor decisions, and investments that didn't turn out as expected. I'd love to hear more about what that is, what that means, and and how that changed you.
2: Yeah. So, you know, sometimes in life, and in I look at the uh, Alison Armstrong, who is a founder of UnderstandMen.com. She Tony Robbins uses some of her content around. Life cycles of man. So he talks about, hey, a man goes through um, a squire stage, a knight stage, where it's all about adventure. Then he enters, not all men enter into the prince stage, but many of them do early, middle, late prince. Prince is asking their core questions like, do I have what it takes about doing something more bigger, more meaningful uh, with your life? And then the next stage is your tunnel. The tunnel is a midlife crisis it's a 40 year old dude getting a corvette and getting divorced and doing these things it's like life falls apart usually things shit hits the fan if i may be frank and then not every man makes it all the way through the tunnel Uh, if you make it through the tunnel you're ready to be a king a king on the other side they have a they care about their legacy their impact and it's less about ego it's more about impact and contribution and so during my, I, I went through a tunnel stage uh, where everything just seemingly like you know as entrepreneurs we're always making bets it's calculated risk and you're like hopeful that six or seven out of ten things will work well I went through a season where two out of ten things worked just enough to survive but man the pieces were crumbling and I realized a lot of the things I had started were. I, I was re- I'm was i really freaking great at starting things, but I'm really terrible at finishing things. I'm really terrible as an operating partner. I don't want to fool with the legal and administrative and tax type stuff. I want to create and drive growth. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm born to do. Right. But I didn't have the right operating partners. I didn't always have the right team members. I didn't think through the business enough. And eventually, uh, you know, I lost a lot of money in uh, like my fashion line, lost 300 grand in that. Lost money in this or that. I had investors that didn't come through at the time I thought they were or they they had committed to things like that, and it just a um, couple of bad breaks, bad business partnership, um, and I, I was also too much of a people pleaser as a boss and as a leader, and I didn't demand I didn't demand enough of myself, my team at times um and ultimately it was a it was a whole uh shit shit show of things falling apart and i'm just like juggling balls that are in the air that are all on fire i'm like all right which fire can i deal with today which fire can i deal with tomorrow and uh yeah
1: Okay, so was this the time when the three companies bled out yeah. the 100,000 each? So so you had a variety of businesses, it sounds like, like you oh, yeah. weren't just focused on because uh, you said a fashion line, you had real estate, so in other things too, you said.
2: Yeah. yeah, I had six different active businesses at the time. And well, I was you
1: have six different businesses, totally curious.
2: Yeah. I had a socially minded car dealership. So we um, every car we sold helped us give away another car to single mother in need. Uh, I had my real estate team, which had like 13 people. We were one of the top real estate teams in the city. Had a co-working slash office building. Um, had a men's fashion line, a sustainable fashion line, then a marketing agency. Um, what else? I think that was the main active ones at the time. Yeah. So... Um, so it was it was a lot, and then when my cash cow business was my real estate, and then when that kind of disintegrated with a partnership uh, conflict in 2018, two months before our wedding, then I I lost my mainstream of income. Um, that was the only pro. Oh, and I also had my mastermind and coaching business, mm-hmm. uh, which was profitable and people were loving, but. It was still a baby business. Um, my real estate business was much more mature and I was working five to 10 hours a week and making great income. Right. So.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's hard when things go south, especially when you're getting married. I got married in 2018 also. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I it's it's interesting the the influx. Like I've had more than one business at a time and the reason i ask because i used to suffer from bright shiny object syndrome you know where oh that's exciting oh that's exciting and still to this day i will say that in fact i just said to my partner last night i'm like you know why don't we start an app that's a nonprofit? non <laughs> like, okay i said no seriously i'm writing out the map for it and we're gonna you know i mean i'm going to do it at some point but old me would have just started it like let's just do it let's just go let's let's yeah, make it happen yeah. i seriously entrepreneur illness here so yeah so i can relate because i'm like because we also have a, a clothing line that we're gonna start we have the uh yeah i mean we got all this stuff set up you know where we just need to do it but i want to write my second book first so um but anyways so so what are you doing now what is it that you're up to now because these other businesses do you have them do you not what's going on
2: yeah, I, I pretty much sold out of everything or closed down everything um, in the 2018 2019 season. And just uh, I said, Hey, what was at the time my coaching business was my seventh business. And it was my seventh priority. And I was like, this should be my number one. And so last year, I just stripped it down. And that's all I did was coaching and consulting and mentoring entrepreneurs from around the world. And then you know, this year I came out with my first book, The Genius Within. I got a couple more books coming out next year, and and I was also like, I'm not going to start another you know larger business until I have the right team in place, the right partners. Because I know my weaknesses, I know where I'm great, uh, so I just need to avoid the things that suck, that bring me death. That um, the business will always be handcuffed by you know a chain is as is as strong as its weakest link Mm -hmm. and um and so i i I, now i've got a new venture it's a biohacking mobile iv venture um that helps people slow down aging you know get their energy back boost their immune system all that 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 is going to start late this year and i've got uh, four or five great partners on that
1: that's great it is always about the people always yeah It is hard to find good people, but when you do, it's like, you got to keep them. Yeah. (laughs) And I say, oh yeah, I've been doing this, my, this business for almost 14 years. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. So, uh, otherwise it wouldn't be here. Um, so what is it, you know, when you're looking at, because I, I know you work with entrepreneurs and high achievers, so, you know, when people come to you, What is it that you usually find as a commonality? Because I I tend to find a commonality in the people that come to me. So, what is a commonality in the people that come to you?
2: For me, I found like they're usually high achievers. They really are committed to making the most out of their life. They're driven. They might be in a a season. Excuse me, a season of transition. Yeah, Uh, I love the seasons of transitions. Uh, They're they're messy. You know you're walking across a rickety bridge of transition uh but i i think i kick butt at that i think uh my book my process to find your deepest area of genius it's the most Mm -hmm. complete process ever created for finding hey who am i what on earth am i meant to do how do i monetize my gifting my genius and uh and i love helping people step more deeply into their purpose and create lives of impact and fulfillment and prosperity so That's that's ultimately where I kick butt at.
1: That's awesome. And then you know, one last thing before we wrap up, what would you say? You know, through all the trials and tribulations and everything that you've experienced, and the positive as well, you know, how would you say that that has changed you and evolved you as a human being?
2: I have more compassion and empathy and sensitivity to people have been that are in or been through really hard stuff in life. Uh, My wife as well, Um, she attempted suicide twice um, before we got together. But so I didn't cause it. So I always like to put that. Uh (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) but, uh, you know, we've been hyper intentional about and I keep reminding her, especially when she has moments where she battles depression and we pull out of those moments. But hey, all reattaching meaning to those moments. sorry I got something in my throat reattaching meaning um and purpose to the pain that we go through you know uh your setbacks or your setups your setbacks are there to prepare you for your comeback and if I look through all the pain and suffering even when that gave me purpose when I was going through my season of hell I would wake up in the mornings with my I I'd still be in bed and I'd wake up and I realize I slept all night with my arms tightly gripped around my chest because of the tension. I was my physically, I was anticipating the stress of the next day, but I I also knew what gave me purpose and meaning. I was like, "Hey, I'm going through this so I can help someone else not go through this. I'm going to help thousands of people not go through this hell that I've been through or get through it quicker and use it for good." You know, it's I look at um, uh, I think of life and our setbacks. It's like uh, its resistance, and if you think of a Boeing 737, do you know how much that weighs? No. 485 tons.
1: Oh, my God. Wow. So
2: So to get that sucker into the night sky, it has to face enough invisible air that is resistance, that that resistance propels it off the ground. So this heaping metal bird that weighs 485 tons has to face enough resistance that causes it to soar so when i think about our lives the hell that we go through what if it's there to cause us to soar but if we stay parked in the runway and we don't face it head on we're going to stay grounded instead of soaring into the night sky
1: lovely i love that guys i hope you love that too (laughs) all right so mike if anybody wants to find you where where should they look what should they do
2: Good question, Tracy. My favorite question. Um, <laughs> but uh, you can go to the Mike Zeller on Instagram, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, all those sites. Uh, my book, The Genius Within, is out on Amazon. Or you can go to thegeniuswithinbook.com. Or if you want my six steps to finding your genius, text the word genius. U is in the letter U um, to four seven four seven. Four seven, so three forty sevens, uh and you'll get the free free six-step guide to finding your genius, which takes you through your unique talents, your, your key life experiences, your key relationships, and your values and passions, and then also life and death, exercises and more. Um, so that's the quick synopsis and mikezeller.com as well.
1: I love it. Okay, that's great. And we'll also... I believe when we uh, post the video, we'll probably have links there too. Um, But anyways, guys, if uh, you're looking at this video, wherever you happen to, you can also leave questions and stuff there and we'll get back to you on that. Um, But Mike, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been great.
2: Tracy, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. And I love the work you're doing in the world. Uh, It's so valuable to create healing, wholeness, purpose, and meaning from the, the challenges and struggles of life.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And you too as well. All right, you guys, you take care and I'll see you next time. on moving on. Bye-bye.
0: For more information about Tracy and her programs and to set up a discovery session, email happiness at tracycrossley.com. That's happiness at tracycrossley.com or go to the website for more information. And thank you for tuning in to Moving On.